Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. Welcome to another episode of Reconciling Grace. This is Pete Vecchi, one of the associate pastors for West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene. On our panel today, we also have Vicki Cundiff, who is one of the associate pastors for Countryside Church of the Nazarene in Lebanon, Ohio. Steve Wilson is with us. Steve is a graduate of United Theological Seminary in Dayton. He is a freelance Christian author. And leading our topic today, our discussion, is Mick Wells, who has been part of Wells of Salvation Ministries since 1980, and he is one of the co-hosts of the Cross Connection radio program. And last week, we started a discussion on the Trinity, and Mick was doing such a wonderful job of leading that. We just would like to kind of have you again, Mick, pick up where you left off and take it away. You know, it's a real privilege to be able to look into the essence of God and get an appreciation for Him. I I think all of us would agree that we can't fully comprehend God. I mean, in our finite minds, and Pete, as you pointed out in the last program, we see through a glass darkly, and I think that's especially true when trying to comprehend the uh, amazing character and depth of God. It it just can't be captured. I, I think of these things I've seen on film where you start at the microscopic level and then it pans out to see the earth and then it pans into the to the uh, the universe and you just stop watching that with your mouth hanging open and yet that's a creation of God mm-hmm. I mean that doesn't even it, it tells us there is a God uh, a creator God but it doesn't give us a full grasp but fortunately, the Bible does tell us about God, and uh, mankind has given God uh, a label or a descriptor as the Trinity, and that's what we're discussing. And basically, the Trinity, the Father is God, God the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God, but there's only one God. And if you can wrap your mind around that, you're halfway home with a discussion of the Trinity, a comprehension of, of the Trinity. And that's the biblical doctrine of the Trinity. And last week we started by talking about how that, uh, we described the concept, the essence of it, and how it came to be in uh, early Christian doctrine in the councils and early church fathers. And then we got to looking at the Bible where even though the Bible doesn't use the word Trinity, There are verses that speak to the three members of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. It's interesting, the Spirit is not the Father, the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, but they are all God, and they are all fully God. And we we read verses last week which demonstrate that deity. And we closed out last week with a verse that described Jesus' baptism, where Jesus who is God the Son, Emmanuel, God with us, God in the flesh, the Word made flesh, the Spirit of God descending like a dove on Jesus at his baptism, and then a voice of God the Father in heaven saying, this is my Son whom I love, 
and with him I am well pleased. And so in the baptism of Jesus, even though the Bible doesn't call it a trinity taking place there or manifesting there, we see a clear picture that the three separate persons of the trinity were working in unison. Well, you know, there's another verse that alludes to the trinity. And in the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, records these words. Uh, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, now listen to this, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So the sacrament of baptism that new believers enter into is done so in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the three members of the one God. Well, you know, we've talked about the Trinity being a challenge to um, <clears throat> explain, and I, I think back to a conversation that I had with my oldest son. Sooner or later, when you're raising young children in the faith, you introduce to them the concept of the Trinity, and you probably started out with prayer thinking, oh, Lord, help me <laughs> to convey what I'm about to say to my my son, and I described it. It's a very common analogy, I suppose, as uh, water taking the three forms of vapor, liquid, and frozen ice, and they're all H2O. They all have the same essence, but they have uh, three different uh, manifestations of the of the H2O. Um, what I'd like to ask you, uh, panel members, uh, how do you explain the Trinity? How did you explain it to your children or to young people who wanted to know? And even go back, and if you can recall, how was the Trinity explained to you initially? Could you, any of you share? Well, I didn't grow up in the church, so it wasn't explained to me <laughs> as a child. And so I just learned the concept by, you know, I got saved and going to the Nazarene church after I was saved, and so I just heard it there. So I really don't have a particular way, you know, to really mm-hmm. say how it was explained to me, except that's where it was explained to me. Did and it cause you any confusion? No, it didn't. Great. No, Great. it didn't. The Lord opened up your but heart as, and eyes. But that. as far as explaining it to other people, I've used this, the scriptures that you just said about Jesus' baptism, and then the one where he said to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And as you were speaking of those again, I thought to myself, well, he told us to baptize that way because that's how he was baptized. Well, that's you know, he, right. He was there, and there was the Spirit, those and there was verses. the Father. And so he said, you know, you're supposed to be baptized in the same way. Yes. Um, but okay. there's all different kinds of analogies to use, but the one that you just said about water is one because it'll get ice, uh, it'll get go into steam and be vapor, you know, but it's still water, so... That's the one I use as well. Yeah. And there's there's one with apples, and there's just different kinds of illustrations. But it just makes me think of how Jesus used parables. And so, you know, you, illustrations from common uh, things that we know to explain it to someone else. So it's just good to try to explain it in their own way of how they can understand. Use something that is one but, but can be described in three different ways. And don't you think that uh, the Lord opens the eyes of people to, to see the message that's being uh, imparted there because, uh, you know, I've said this a number of times, Satan has a blinding power, but when the truth is being spoken, I think the Lord illuminates it uh, to those we're trying to teach. How about uh, you, Peter, Steve? Uh, 
Your experience? Well, I think first way I heard it was water, and then um, heard about the sun analogy, where God the Father is like the sun, and God the Son, S-O-N, is like the sun rays from the sun, and then the Holy Spirit is like the warmth from the sun. Uh, so I heard that, but I think the most helpful way that I've heard it described is in terms of the image of God. And we say that God made us in His image, so maybe we can understand God by looking at ourselves, and we know that people, humans, have three parts. Good point. Uh, humans have a body, and humans have a spirit, and humans have uh, a mind or a personality. And all of those things are uniquely that person. My body is me, my spirit is me, and my mind is me. And they, they make one person. They Integrated, make, yeah. They make one Steve, but individually they are also all me. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like that as well. I, I wanted uh, the other people to go first because I had three different things. Again, I can't remember how it was explained to me, but I had three different things that I didn't want to step on anybody's toes. And I think we've all mentioned the water. Did you mention that, Steve? Yeah. Because that was the one, the main one that I can think of, H2O. Um, <clears throat> I have two others. I really like that, uh, what you talked about, the 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 human, as I say, functional trichotomy, there's a 50 cent uh, phrase um, that that's there, but that's not usually how I do it. One of the things, you know, I've also heard of the egg, you know, you got a shell, you have a yolk, you have a white, but it's mm-hmm. all one egg. Um, one of the ways that I like to point it out, even though it's only two in one, is think of the United States legislature. You have a Senate and you have a House of Representatives, but they are Congress. One Congress. Yes. And so there's that one. But then here's the one that I I like to get cute about stuff. You know, our, our minds cannot comprehend. Father plus Son plus Holy Spirit, how can that be one? One plus one plus one is three, right? But I say, what is one times one times one? Uh huh. It is one. And so sometimes it has to do with your perspective of how you look at it. Yeah, and I think we have to, as I mentioned before, depend upon the Lord to help not only us as communicators, but those who are seeking to learn as receivers of the message. You know, uh, I think of all the jokes that have been told about uh, older generations trying to understand uh, the computer. Sometimes I felt helpless talking to my mother-in-law years ago about... uh, well, you download this, and you click on this link, and you right-click on this over here, left-click on this other, and it's, it's totally foreign to them. So I asked the Lord, how can I put this in the simplest of terms so that they can illuminate and drive home uh, the truth that's being told? And, you know, it's not just whether you're not, whether you're older or younger or whatever— Everybody, I believe, communicates differently, whether it's having to do with computers. Uh, I'm remembering back to my college days, back in the days when I was really um, strongly pursuing singing. I was going to be a singer uh, as a career. I I was at least heading that way. A lot of things pushed me in a different direction. But there was a certain concept that Many different voice teachers have been trying to me to get me to understand about how to physically do something to do it properly singing. And there was just this one day 
when one of many voice teachers who I had studied under said something in just a certain way, and it was like, oh, now I see what they were all saying. The lights came Exactly. <laughs> so, so, you know, when I'm trying to be cute talking about one times one times one, for a mathematician, that might really illuminate. For somebody who is not a mathematic person at all, it might mean nothing. But an egg might mean something to somebody. Water might mean something to somebody. The functional trichotomy of this is Steve in one person uh, might mean something to somebody. All of these different things might mean something. And I believe that it's not wrong to use different illustrations. Sure. Well, you know, um, there must be a reason that God is known to us in, in three persons, uh, three in one. And uh, when we come back from the break in a little bit, we're going to take a look at some questions that I came up because I come up with some off-the-wall ones, not because I like to confuse people, but because I like to share these things and get others opinions of uh, what they really mean, because I'm a, I'm a constant searcher myself. So uh, stay with us. We're going to take a break now, and we'll be back to talk about some of these questions. Welcome back. You're listening to Reconciling Grace, and our program today is a second uh, installment of a session we're doing on the subject of the Trinity. God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all wrapped into one God. And we're going to look at a couple questions here, and I these may not mean much of anything, but I have, they're the kind of things where I'm reading the Scripture and I say, wait a minute, how does this match with this and so forth? Well, I'd like to start out with a question I have that deals with uh, the subject of God, uh, the Spirit, God. I call him the Holy Spirit. The Bible calls him that, or Holy Ghost. And Vicki, would you share with us a, a seminal scripture on this, Romans 8 and verse 9? You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ— they do not belong to Christ. Okay, so I probably wouldn't have a question on this verse if it just used one term for spirit, but it used two. And I'm not a Greek scholar again. It said, if the spirit of God lives in you, and then it goes on to say, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. And my question to you is, what do you think? Is the spirit of Christ the same as the spirit of God and is that different than the Holy Spirit? No. It is that not. concludes our program. Yeah. <laughs> no, go no, ahead. Seriously, it's not different. That's all I would say. I, I think that sometimes it just has to do with terminology. Okay. And to me, the Spirit of Christ is the Spirit of God, is the Holy Spirit. It's basically talking about the same thing. Okay. Any other thoughts on that? Well, just if we say that the Holy Spirit proceeds from God and from Christ, uh, then it's it's the same thing. Yeah. I agree it's the same. And when I was uh, studying the notes on this, it made me think of John fourteen twenty six. Jesus told the disciples that God would send the Holy Spirit after Jesus' death to teach them and to remind them of everything Jesus had told them. And so we can see the Trinity there. God sent the Holy Spirit to speak the words of Jesus. Sure. And when we talk about uh, God being the same in essence, 
that each member person of the Trinity is deity, is God. I don't have a whole lot of trouble with this where we're talking about the Spirit of God under any of these monikers when it talks about the Spirit in connection with any member of, of the Trinity. Okay, I appreciate that. Uh, Steve, would you share with us um, Luke chapter 11, verse 2? Sure, and this is from the King James. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Okay, thanks. Clearly, this very familiar scripture tells us, it instructs us, Jesus instructing us to pray to God the Father. And so my question is, if each person in the Godhead is God, fully God, fully deity, should we also pray, or can we also pray, either to Jesus and or the Holy Spirit, and why or why not? Any thoughts there? It doesn't make any difference to me. You know, they're all one, as we've been saying. And so, you know, sometimes I'm referencing God, and sometimes I'm crying out to Jesus, and, and you know, there's the Holy Spirit. I mean, because I know in my heart they're all one, and so I don't differ, differentiate. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Now, see, you said in your heart you know they're one. In my mind I know they're one, but on a practical day-to-day -day level, I treat them as individual people. So sometimes I want to pray to God because I've got something I want to talk to the all-powerful one about. And sometimes I want to talk to Jesus because I know Jesus can relate to me as a human being. And sometimes I want to call on the power of the Holy Spirit. So yes, they're all one, but in my in you know when I'm speaking to them, I'm kind of separating them according to what I think they do. So I pray to each one uh, as I feel the need. And I think we can be consoled in the fact that Scripture does give us indication that prayers were sent to the various members of the Godhead. And Pete, would you share with us Acts chapter 7, verse 59? While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Okay. Now, Stephen is praying, arguably praying. Well, it says prayed. To whom? Jesus. Jesus. Prayed to Jesus in that situation. Um. I'll add on John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. And the word tells us, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now listen, it says, You may ask me. Who's me there? That's Jesus, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You may ask Jesus for anything in my name, and I will do it according to the word. So there we have an example where Stephen prayed to Jesus. Jesus says you can ask Jesus for something and he will do it and uh, so that his father may be glorified. Any thoughts there? Well, just that, you know, Jesus said that uh, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. Mm -hmm. And so we can pray to him. 
Okay. He has the power. And a similar verse here that goes along with Jesus' authority. <clears throat> Jesus says in John 15 and verse 16, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And so we're to approach the Father and ask in, in Jesus' name. The other verses talk about uh, Jesus being a recipient of prayer. And when it comes to the Holy Spirit, now I'm kind of like Steve in that regard, because if I understand the Holy Spirit as 100% God, there's no distinction in terms of essence, but we're going to get into the roles of, of the persons of the Godhead shortly, but I recognize that the Bible tells me that the Holy Spirit is, is interceding for me. The Holy Spirit knows what I need, and maybe it's a superfluous request, but I will go to the Holy Spirit and say, I need your help. And I believe as 100% God, the Holy Spirit uh, honors that prayer and intercedes in my behalf. So I, I believe that we can uh, go to all each member uh, of the Trinity. Uh, heaven help us, we're all in trouble if, if some of us, our salvation's in peril for going to one member of the Trinity over the other. That's what I said. I hope that my salvation <laughs> does not rely on my puny understanding of the almighty, omnipotent God and all of his ways. What I am responsible for is the light with which he has given me and to act accordingly. Absolutely. Another question I had refers uh, stems from First uh, Timothy chapter two and verse five. And Vicky, would you share that with us? For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. Now, how might a person be confused over that when considering the Trinity? Well, how can you pray to the man Christ Jesus? The man has ascended, and he is no longer in human form but he is still God. He never ceased to be God. Is that the kind of thing you're asking? Well, it seems to, they seem to go out of their way, the writers of Scripture here, uh, the recorders of Scripture, what have you, to refer to Jesus as a man. We consider him the God-man. In other words, yes, he was a man. He came here as a God-man. There was no other way or a sacrifice acceptable to God could be made for for our sins. So I'm just basically wondering, is there significance in referring to Jesus as, quote, a man? Well, there? I think the other thing might be the fact that as a man, as a human being, he did suffer, he did die, he did understand everything that humanity goes through. So he, in that way, can intercede for us <laughs> in a, in, through his experience. Sure. And, and my, my follow-on question, uh, Vicki just read that Jesus is uh, the one mediator between us and God the Father, and yet we're instructed in the Lord's Prayer to address our prayers to God the Father. Now, I guess my question was, if Jesus is our one mediator, why are we instructed to direct our prayer directly to God and just wanted your thoughts on that, or does it even matter? Again, to me, they're all the same. You can pray to, like we said earlier, we can pray to any of them however we want, to each of them. 
Um, but he's a mediator of our salvation. Yeah. He's fully God, and he's he was fully human as well. But because of what he did on the cross, that makes him the mediator that we go to him for our salvation. Yeah, a mediator in the bigger sense, even beyond uh, how to address a prayer. Mm-hmm. I mean, we wouldn't have a relationship with God had not Jesus become our mediator and made that possible. Right. And I think it's important also to just realize that we as a panel may not have all the answers. And in fact, I know we don't have all the answers. And I'm sure that not all of our listeners have all of the answers. And you know what? Sometimes that's okay. Sometimes we still need to grow into these things. Sometimes I wonder if when we get to heaven, all of our questions are going to be answered. Or if we're going to think, why was I worried about that stuff? (laughs) Sure. Well, you know, I'd like to get into now the, the roles of the members of the Godhead. Because if we didn't understand their roles, uh, we might ask ourselves, well, why are there three? Why do we need three persons? I mean, God is all-powerful, all-knowing, etc. And um, why do we need three? But God has apparently chosen different purposes and different types of interface on specific areas. You know, if you had a union contract, you might call it division of labor. But I, I can't limit God in that, with that analogy. But uh, God clearly has specific purposes for each member of the Godhead. I'd like to start with uh, one of them that's one of my favorites from uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. I've asked Steve to read about the Holy Spirit here. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Yes, in accordance with the will of God and God being the the triune one God, three persons. Um, So I gave this earlier as an example of why I sometimes pray to the Holy Spirit. So you can see that the Holy Spirit has a role to play as God has determined how the Godhead will operate. And um, I found a source that says that in terms of purpose, the Holy Spirit is the means by whom the Father does the following. Creation and maintenance of the universe divine revelation, there are several verses to back this up, salvation and Jesus' works, thus the Father does all these things by the power of the Holy Spirit. If we had time, we could get into those verses. Um, Another source is simply put the purposes like this very succinctly. God creates a plan. God the Father creates a plan. Jesus Christ implements that plan and the Holy Spirit administers that plan. Now, those aren't words from the Bible, but I think they're pretty sound in terms of how God has chosen uh, to work with and interface with uh, those human beings in his creation that he, he uh, sent his Son to save. So the Father and Son, in, in summary, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are equally omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, eternal, and each are, is unchanging. They're all one in essence, but each, has, each one has unique functions 
fulfilling specific roles in God's divine plan and purpose. And aren't you glad that God has given us that insight? Yes, I am. And also, I believe that the other thing is that God never intended us to be in this on our own. He intended us to be part of a community, and His Trinity even kind of shows community between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Mick Wells, I want to thank you for all your leadership on this topic. Steve Wilson and Vicki Cundiff, thank you for joining us on the discussion on the Holy Trinity. This is Pete Vecchi, and I want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us for Reconciling Grace. This has been Reconciling Grace. Join us again next time as our panel discusses biblical truths centered around the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ.